the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God will gladly take over navigating our lives when we surrender to Him. He's standing on the outside, waiting for us to open the door of our hearts from the inside. We must let Him in and give Him complete control. As Pastor Rander continues today's message, listen closely as he focuses in on God's criteria for knowing His will and what we must willingly do to live in Him, through Him, and for Him. God must always be first in all things, and we must submit to His Lordship in all things. Remember to keep your Bible, pen, and paper handy. We started Second John last week, and uh, we're going to continue it. We're, we're on the latter part of Second John, Second uh, John 7 through 13, uh, and we're going to pray as you find the Scripture. Father, we thank you. We just love you in the name of Jesus. We pray that you just anoint me now to preach your word. We thank you for those who participated and read the handouts and did so well on the test. And thank you, Father, that the test was fair. And thank you that we grew and we learned from this little book, but yet rich in content to the glory of God. I pray that you help us now to receive what you would have us to know so that we could continue to grow as we learn Second John to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said... 2 John 7 through 13, the scripture reads, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds, having many things to write to you. I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. And I want to preach on the second portion of this book, Abiding in Truth. Abiding in Truth. By way of introduction, John's first epistle was written to a group of believers in danger of following false teachers. John's second epistle is addressed to a chosen lady and her children who are undergoing similar temptations. In 2 John, the recipients, a chosen lady and her children, were standing firm for the cause of Christ. They were walking in truth and remained faithful to the commandments they had received from the Father. 
John is deeply pleased to be able to commend them, but he takes nothing for granted. He does not hesitate to encourage them to ensure that the believers would continue to stand strong in their faith and warns them of the encroachment of seductive false teachers who would attempt to lure them away from the faith. Not only does Satan try to infiltrate the church with false doctrine and teaching, he also makes the home his primary target. Satan knows that if he can contaminate the church from the home, and today this can be done clearly, and it can be clearly seen through rather uh, members of cults, Satan contaminates the home through knocking on doors in neighborhoods. They are well-dressed and very hospitable with smooth, confident presentations that will lure one into a counterfeit religion. Satan also uses the internet. He uses television. He uses books to infiltrate the home and the church to indoctrinate his unsuspecting prey. However, this is nothing new. Even in John's day, he had to write letters to believers telling them not to fellowship with those who teach false doctrine. Let's look at verses 7 through 11, how to identify an antichrist and deceiver, how to identify an antichrist and deceiver, verses 7 through 11. Number one, how do you identify uh, an antichrist and deceiver. Uh, an antichrist denies that Jesus came in the flesh. An antichrist denies that Jesus came in the flesh. It's right there in verse 7, which says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. John is very poignant. He's very uh, precise. He exposes these antichrists and deceivers for who they really are. Some see Jesus as God and not man, while others see him as man and not God. Beloved, Jesus is undiminished deity and perfect humanity. Jesus is undiminished deity and perfect humanity. Jesus is both fully God and fully man for the purpose of redeeming lost sinners. If Christ were not God, he, he could not save. If he were not man, he could not die. Secondly, how to identify an antichrist and a deceiver Number two, a deceiver does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. A deceiver does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. Now, verse nine says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son. When the life of God and the doctrine of Christ do not inhabit the soul, sin goes unrestrained, which results in deeds of wickedness. When a person does not have the word of God, when a person does not live by the words of Christ, his behavior is unrestrained, and that person is subject to do anything under the sun. What you believe about Christ will determine your behavior in all areas of life. An antichrist will suddenly come to you with false teachings that is false 
foreign to scripture, false and foreign to scripture, and it is inconsistent with the doctrine of Christ. We must not greet or receive them into your home. I reiterate again, an antichrist will suddenly come to you with a false teaching that is foreign to scripture and is inconsistent with with the doctrine of Christ. We must not greet or receive them into our home, even though, even through television, we must not receive uh, false teachers through social media, radio, or, or even the internet. In verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. Again, if anyone, say anyone, comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him or her into your house, nor greet him. Now, let me park right there for a moment and say a few things. Even though the scripture says that we should not receive nor greet those who do not abide by the doctrine of Christ into our home, you should allow the Holy Spirit to lead you based on your circumstances when it comes to your personal family. For example, you may have parents, siblings, children, or even relatives who are in false religions, such as Mormonism, Islam, Jehovah Witnesses, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Scientology, just to name a few. If they are not posing a problem by proselytizing your family and attempting to lure them into their religion, then enjoy fellowship with your relatives, even though they may be in a cult themselves, and let the light of Christ shine through you before them so that you may win them to Christ through your behavior, through the word, through God who emanates and shines through you. Don't just say, well, you're Buddhist. Don't come into my house. I only want Christians in my house. Get out of my house. And that's your sister. That's your brother. That's your mother. You know, that's your mother. Don't mistreat them. If if they're not trying to proselytize, trying to win you over, let them have some cake and have Christmas, okay? Also, ask God to give you spiritual discernment. Say spiritual discernment. Ask God to give you spiritual discernment and wisdom when hosting unbelieving family members in your home. On the other hand, if your family members, siblings, uncles, aunt, third, fifth cousin, are aggressively trying to win your family into their religion, then you need to protect your family by not receiving them into your home. Your relationship with Christ should transcend all. Look how quiet it got then. You know why? You ought to love God more than mother, more than father, more than sister, more than brother. Matter of fact, I left Houston not because my family was in a cult. I left Houston because God called me into the ministry here in San Antonio. So I left everybody. I left mom. I left dad. I left all my siblings. Not that they were in a cult. But sometimes people don't leave because they're so tied or ingrown into their family. They can't be about the father's business and they miss kingdom opportunity because they're so ingrown into their family. 
So I forsook my parents, even though I love my parents, I forsook them all. I never got back to Houston. Matter of fact, God lifted my desire to even be back in Houston because of the work he had called me to do. Just think if I had just stayed there and said, God, I know I got to go to heaven from Houston. If I'm a pastor, I have to pastor in Houston. I wouldn't be looking at your faces today. And I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing today. I'm so glad I obeyed God. I wouldn't be looking at you, beautiful choir. I would have missed my blessing and not even know it. Not even know. There's a scripture. You say, wow, pastor, that's strong teaching. But it's true. God comes before family. Because without God, you would not have a family. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39, it says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Did you get that? That's in your Bible. If you haven't torn the pages out. Okay. He who loves father or mother more than me, Christ, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me, he is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life, look, will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You must forsake all to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I love God and I love him with all my heart. And I'm not going to let family, friends, co-workers, I'm not going to let technology, politicians, or anyone else separate me from the love of God. Can we get an amen on that? I know you're. I know you're being quiet because you're processing the message because you don't normally hear messages like this. This is not normative, but it is true. How often do you hear people preaching, pastors or teachers preaching out of Second John or First John or Third John or Revelation when we get to it? We must preach the whole counsel of God and not just that we like, but even that that's challenging and sometimes choke us up. But go on and swallow it. Your life is going to be better. Look at uh, verses 13 through 12 and 13, 12 and 13, John's farewell greeting. Verses 12 and 13, John's farewell greeting. Verse 12 says, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you Amen. In this passage, John values intimate personal fellowship with the brethren, believers, above a written letter. However, when circumstances does not permit John to be with the saints personally, a written letter to the saints was a sincere way of sharing his genuine and heartfelt love for saints as he communicated words of commendation, encouragement, instruction, and ammunition. John's letter is brief because he anticipated coming to them. It's a very short letter. Listen, you don't have to be long to be effective. So he kept the letter to the point, but yet it is inspired. It is put in the canon of scripture and it, it, it is from God and the spirit of God authored 
second John. And he kept it short because he looked forward to, to being with his fellow believers in Christ. He kept his letter short and sweet because he planned to be with them soon and would say more when he arrived. It's as if he were saying, we'll talk more when I get there. So I keep it short because I'm coming to see you. When you come in to see somebody, you just kind of drop them a line or two. Summary. You say you're on a summary already? Yes, I am. Is this the shortest message you've ever preached? No, it's not. Because I, this summary is loaded. Okay? <laughs> so, so don't close your notebooks up too fast. Summary. Say summary. Number one. When we love the truth, we will allow our lives to be governed by the truth. When we love the truth, we will allow our lives to be governed by the truth. What is the truth? The truth is this book, the Bible. Pick it up and read it. It's the absolute truth. Truth. Don't let your friends govern your life. Don't let your boss govern your life. Don't allow someone's uh, speaking sweet nothings in your ear govern your life. Allow God to govern your life. Number two, we must not value technology over developing in-person relationships. Did you get that? We must not value technology over developing in-person relationships. You say, where is that? In verse 12. But I hope to come to you and speak what? Face to face. Not Zoom. Face to face. Not texting. Face to face. Oh, I'm going to mess with you now. That our joy may be what? Full. Now, so many today prefer to communicate by Zoom, texting, live stream, FaceTime, audio messages, and social media rather than giving priority to face-to-face -face interaction when physical distance is not a factor. Sometimes you don't have a choice when distance is involved. But what brought John joy was, was anticipating face-to-face -face interaction with his audience, anticipating in-person relationships. The letter wasn't good enough. He wanted to see them personally. Beloved, Jesus had a relational ministry where he touched and embraced people. He picked up and held little children. And Jesus laid his hands on the sick. He made home visitations and even ate with social outcasts of society. If we're going to emulate Christ, we must do the same in order to spiritually impact others in a meaningful way, which blesses both of you. John says that our joy may be full. Beloved, fellowship is so sweet when God is in it. Fellowship is so sweet when God is in it. I know, I know a lot of you love the text and some of you, you don't, you, but I, I, if, even if I text, somebody text me back and I purposefully call them back because text is just not good enough sometimes when you're calling me. You say, why do you, why, why do you want them to call you? You ain't all that. No, I'm not all that. I really, I'm really not. 
But it's something about the voice. It's something about the vocal reflections. It's something about the human emotions that the text cannot convey. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I, I want to hear. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. Uh, John wanted to see them. See them. I might see you on Zoom. I might see you on some technology. But when I see you person to person, it's, it's unique. It's, it's connective. And it's so relational. Amen? I know this is a high-tech society. But we must keep our lives connected with people and keep it personal. If somebody is suicidal or going through depression or going through some kind of trauma in their life, listen, a little two-line text is not going to do with a little smiley face. Now, y'all scared to say amen because your feet get stepped on. Some of you are professional texters. I'm not saying texting is wrong. I text. But sometimes there needs to be a call. Sometimes there needs to be a visit. Live streaming is good for those who are unable to get here, but it's no substitute for in-person worship. If you agree with me, say amen. Amen. It's something about being in the experience. It's therapeutic when you come. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I can hug you. I can see your tears. I can put my hand on your shoulder and pray with you. That's what we did in prayer meeting last night. It was so meaningful. It was so relational. The whole house was moved as we heard testimonials of those who were going through challenges. But but by technology, you can't touch that technology. And, and when you're looking at by Zoom, how, how can a person who's Zooming or live streaming, how can they usher? How can they greet? How can they take care of children in the nursery? How can they take care? How can you, for bookstore, persons who want to go into a bookstore, how do you minister to little children? How do you go to Mo Ranch from live streaming? You see what I'm saying? Now, look how quiet it's getting. But only the truth is going to set you free. Technology is quite appropriate when it's necessary. I am not against technology. But I'm telling you something, you're missing the best part when you're not here personally. And that's the same is true for in the academic. Do you realize those kids that, did, did, that have been doing in-home learning, do you realize their learning overall went down? Look how quiet y'all getting now. It, went down. it wasn't the same as being in person, interacting in that school. And when they gave them uh, laptops and stuff, they don't know where those laptops are. The educational system went went down. It's something about being in school, learning and growing and social development. Your children need that. They need to deal with life and deal with kids who are difficult to deal with because life is difficult. You can't do everything from home. You know what? Some of you have been given permission. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Y'all listening. Some of you have been given permission to work at home, and that's fine. And now some of your jobs want you to come back to work, and you're saying, I'll quit before I go back. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. That, when you were hired, it was nothing about saying you could stay home forever. Actually, I know, I know this is counterculture. 
But you keep coming back because you know I'm preaching truth. It's something about getting out the house and going to work. Not that anything is wrong with working at home. It has its place. Uniqueness, especially when a mom can work at home and be with the children. And there's some great things all about it. But I'm saying be balanced about it. Okay. Am I preaching balance? Be, be, be balanced about it. For heaven's sake, you know, I would go crazy if my wife and I just worked home all day. Because then how do I go home if I'm at home? How do I mean? I never left. And then you know what? I frequent the refrigerator more than 10, than the COVID fat come on and all this stuff. And then you get irritable and you sometimes you're looking at each other, you get tired of each other and all that kind of Well, you don't have a break from each other. You need to you need to go out. I can't even ask how was your day. You need to get out the house, connect with people, socialize. You, you, your mind is, we were made for connectiveness, interaction. We we're made to be, we're, there's a social aspect to us. That's how you keep from being depressed. You just can't look at the same four, four walls and just lock yourself into these four walls. And, and, and that's your whole life. A whole year is gone and you just been between those four houses from the kitchen to the living room, to the bedroom, to the dining room, to the kitchen, to the bedroom, to the kitchen, to the refrigerator, to the freezer. Let me out! Let me out! I want to breathe. I want to drive to work. I want to be around people. I want to interact. I want to connect. I want to help people. I want to witness. How can I witness if I'm just shut in 100% of the time? Where's my witness? Who can I talk to? I'm sociable. I told you, this is summary. (laughs) Oh, God, help me. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. If you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, please visit our website at maranathasa.org. Select the Give option and choose the radio broadcast support phone. Thank you very much for your generosity. The Maranatha Bible Church family invites you to join us Sunday, September 11th at 10 a.m. as we celebrate Grandparents Day. During this special celebration, we will honor grandparents for their loving support and the spiritual foundation they have laid to guide us through life's journey. Come, be inspired, be tremendously blessed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.